Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. Independent Intel, NBA Intel, episode eight is here. Some post All-Star break hoop analysis with your host, Kim Bubamani, and my co-host, Clement Gibson. But before we dive into the topics, we were just talking a little bit off air. We're going to bring it to you guys right now. LeBron James is going to miss substantial time with an apparent foot injury. He's currently 37. Lakers were making a pretty um, demanding playoff push in with him potentially going to be out of the lineup in the next few weeks. Clem, I'm going to put this question on you. How does it change their dynamic on their season? And then as well, what's the outlook of LeBron's career looking like moving forward at the age of 37 with yet another season crippling injury? Yeah, um, I think as far as this season, I think this pretty much solidifies that they're not going to make the play-in even. Um, Well, you know what, let me not go that far. I think this may galvanize them initially um, to where they make a push to get to the play-in, to get to that 10 spot. But ultimately, um, I just don't know if you can depend on AD to lead you and put that much pressure on him, not only mentally, but physically as well. We know he tends to break down as well. So, um, and then you factor in all these new pieces coming together. I could see a lot of hero ball from D'Angelo Russell. Um, Doesn't look good for the season. I think ultimately, I feel confident saying that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, As far as his career, I mean, he's had a historic career already, um, but 37, this type of foot injury, um, we were talking a bit off air about how I was listening to the Low Post, Sack Lowe's podcast, and Dave McMenamin, who covers the Lakers, were talking about when LeBron James went down, he said he heard a pop. Um, fortunately, it wasn't directly under his uh, heel um, connecting to the Achilles. It was more so on the outside of his foot. But whenever you hear a pop at 37 years old and he continued to play on it, um, not the best situation there. But he's had his third career. So even if this is his last you know, year as a perennial all-NBA guy, all-star. I mean, what can you say? 20 years of durability, you know, you got to pay respect to it. Second greatest player all-time. Resume, second greatest resume all-time. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, LeBron, historic player, Pantheon, great, all of those things. But they were already hanging by a thread playoff-wise. And with him potentially not going to be a, in the lineup moving forward, I think that does it. Um, where should the Lakers look from here? You know, I already was saying this should be like their final season and then they should start considering breaking this core up and starting the rebuild. And I think this injury to LeBron may potentially fast track that as we head to the offseason for LeBron 37. I know the goal is wait for the sun to come into the league, Bronny play with him potentially. But I think now he needs to start prioritizing if he wants to win another championship, maybe relinquishing the rings of being not just the best player on the team but maybe even the second best and maybe go for an avenue that's kind of building towards contention to where his body won't be as compromised as the season goes on from a wear and tear standpoint, because he's having to carry um, a superstar or a second tier role on a team. So I think that's really how to look at both things. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's tough for LeBron. Um, Great player. He's going to go down as one of the greats, but um, yeah, I think this this pretty much ended it. Uh, And Memphis will blitz them tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's that's gonna happen. Hey, easier said than so. done on him taking a smaller role. I mean, we're seeing it with Russ, and you know, we see it all the time with these superstar players. Um, he's been playing this way his entire career, so asking him in after 20 years to do something different, 
I don't know, but it's going to make for a very interesting 2024 season when we get there. <laughs> it sure will. It sure will. Now, NBA scoring outbursts this year, is it that impressive? So I was going through the rabbit hole, Clemens, statistically, and there's 21 games this year where players at least scored 50 points. Now, on the winning side, it's been pretty good. 18 of those 21 games, who's ever scored 50, their team has won. But Look, 11, 12 different players. You know, Mitchell had 71. Dame had 71 recently yesterday. Um, Lucas had 60, 53, 51, 50. But then you have guys like Siakam putting up 52. Garland had 51. Um, Booker had 50 and 51 as well. So you have your superstar guys. But you have a guy like a Siakam. You have a guy like Clay putting up 50 pieces as well. Does the 50 ball in this era of basketball just not mean as much anymore in the regular season than the years past? And how do you see in the playoffs those scoring outputs looking? How will they translate when playoff basketball is going to be a little bit more tougher, to say the least? Yeah, definitely the 50 ball has lost its value. I mean, when you just look at the overall scoring for each team and then the, the averages for each team, um, averages for each player, I mean, it's it's went gone down a little bit. But once upon a time, averaging 33 points a game, you would see one guy do it, and that guy was ultimately the scoring champion by more than a mile. Um, we have, what, six guys currently averaging more than 30, and if you round up, that's about nine guys <laughs> averaging close to 30 points a game or, or over. So um, obviously the the scoring has – it looks good, um, but for true hoop heads, I think – you want to see the game be dissected. You want to see schemes. You want to see the game slow down and guys, you know, pick apart the defensives and really see the brilliance in the game of basketball. Um, and we don't get to see that every single night. Um, we're watching a lot more live pickup games or uh, open gym, as I've frequently said in our group chat. Um, but, I mean, this is the game we're playing today. I mean, the, the disappearance of the big men and the rise of the three-point shot has made bad shots normal. And then you used to only do layup lines in the pregame. Now guys are doing it during the game. Um, I was watching the Kings and Clippers game, which was very exciting. But I'm looking at the team like the Clippers who are playing Nicholas Batum as a center. And I'm thinking about Nicholas Batum when he first got to the league playing with um, Portland Trailblazers and how he was like, like a legit small four, sometimes shooting guard on some of those lineups, and you got him playing center now. Um, it's just like you got De'Aaron Fox running to the rim. He's like <laughs> he can out jump, out run every single one of those guys. Same with Malik Mutt. So it just it, it just makes the game like it's a lot easier to score because once you get past your man, even if you're met with resistance, those guys don't have the sheer size to like really intimidate these guys. And then there's the rule changes that. If you hit a guy too hard or if you make too flagrant of a foul, you know, you may get ejected, you may get suspended. You know, there's just so many different um, way the game is played that that enables the scoring to be the way it is. And um, I took a look at the scoring, just the, the top 10 guys to ever score, um, like the single high highest scoring games in NBA history. And I think the thing that is really bringing it down because even you mentioned the list you you just said. I mean, I think Luca's probably the only guy on that list that I would say is like a legit top five player 
in the NBA today. Um, I was looking at the list. You know, you got Wilt, you have Kobe, David Robinson, Elgin Baylor, um, even David, um, David Thompson, too. Like, all of these guys, when they were making it, when they were scoring the 81, the 100 points, the 71 points, the 73 points, they were first-team All-NBA guys. You know, they were one of the best players in the league. David Robinson didn't make first-team All-NBA that year. Hakeem did, but he made the second team, and he won the scoring championship. And then the year after, he went off to win MVP. So he was, you know, one of the top guys in the league. Um, but I look at, like, a you know, a Donovan Mitchell, like, good player, good team, but I wouldn't even consider him to be a top 10 guy, really. Like, um, same with Dane. Like, I don't think he's a top 10 guy. And I'm trying so hard to get out of this rings culture that, you know, we, we tend to like, you know, downplay some guy's career, but it's hard, you know, when you just see what's happening. And obviously like growing up as a Lakers fan, I just am used to being like, all right, well, I mean, if we don't, win a championship is kind of like, all right, well, what did we really do this year? You know, so um, needless to say, Giannis and Lucas come out and talked about how the NBA scoring is way easier than FIBA and Eurobasket. So um, I think the 50 ball has definitely been devalued, but I think when the playoffs come around, guys will slow down and um, ultimately we'll see more pure basketball being played. You're on mute, brother. I'm on mute, my, my guy. My bad, my bad. <laughs> but these are the six guys averaging 30 this year. If the season was to end today, these will be the guys averaging 30. By the way, preface, last year only one player was averaging 30 points a game. That was Joel Embiid. Um, Luka and Embiid will both be tied for the scoring title, followed by Lillard, Giannis, Shea Gilders-Alexander, and Jason Taylor. Um, I think that says everything. I mean, we have six guys in the league averaging 30 a game. And for me, if you're averaging 30 on crazy efficiency, which is about 50%, or it could be close to, that's amazing in itself. Now, out of these guys that I would consider top five, I think Luke and Embiid are top five players. I think Giannis is top five. I think Tatum's top 10. But so those are four guys, and that's fine. And I think all four of those guys are playoff on playoff teams. That's good as well. But it has... It just doesn't feel the same. And a lot of it has to do with everything that you said, small ball, playing through guards, inviting tough shots, having to make tough shots at a consistent rate, no matter the difficulty is impressive. But in the playoffs, like you said, everything's going to come back to his means and we're going to really see how efficient of a score you are against loaded defensive concepts, against multiple defensive concepts. And I think that is what it is. Like with Dame getting 71, bro, I was just like, I thought his 42 against Memphis was more impressive because Memphis is a top defensive team in the league. And they won that Memphis game as well, predicated off of him making some insane shots. But getting 71 against a Houston team that is the worst basketball team I've ever seen in a long time just doesn't move me. Like, it doesn't. And so I, that's that's really my stance on it. And we're going to talk about the Lillard, the performance as we get on into the pod because I see some guys watching room to be first team. And look, as great as the point per game average has been he's not a no. first team guy for me he's just not <laughs> so that that's really the stance there uh next topic who has stood out post all-star break uh since the post all-star break bro did my homework 18 games have been decided by single digits i think that's good for the league 
We've had the second highest scoring game in basketball with the Clippers and the Kings. Um, we had scoring outbursts from Lillard last night. Bucks are continuing their winning ways, 14 straight. And, you know, before everything crashed down for the Lakers, they look pretty promising as well. Um, what has been your biggest standout so far post-All-Star break for you? Yeah, I, I got three teams here, and I think one is really going to surprise you. Um, first, the Bucks. Um, obviously, Holiday leading without Giannis um, and a Gimpy Middleton. Portis and Lopez holding it down um, in the post and maintaining that top defense in the league. And then three of their next four games against non-playoff teams. Um, so I look for that streak to continue if they can get over the hump against Philly, which I think they'll be able to do. I think Giannis may be back by then. Um, I think this streak can continue to go. And in our last podcast, I said that I think they're going to finish the season as the number one seed in the East. And I think that in the next couple of weeks, that's going to happen. If not this week, definitely next week. So um, very impressed with the Bucks. I've been going back and forth with them. Like I, I know they're going to be in the East Conference Finals, but do I think they're going to win the championship? That's where I've been at with them. And um, they're starting to form into shape, and I think I think they're looking like the favorite. I think they're looking like the favorite. Um, second team, the Knicks. Uh, Brunson has been surprising. Like He's still playing with the chip on his shoulder for not making the all-star team and has continued to look like the best guard on the floor night in and night out. Um, we talk about Randall, another guy maintaining his all-star form, not from this year, but from two years ago as well. Like he's starting to look like that guy and night in and night out. Barrett's another story, but on the on the other side, you got Hart, new addition. Tibbs loves him, plays that type of basketball. He's shooting threes now, which he wasn't doing as much for Portland. And then Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench and just playing more defense, you know. He's in a role where he can just go out and score now. Quentin Grimes playing defense as well. Athletic finishes in fast break. Um, I just feel like they're playing together really well and their team's performing in shape. And, ah, oh, man, the, the Kings. Like, Kings. the Kings. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I got to give them credit, man. Like, Fox, 30, I think that 30 points in the last seven games, 42 and 12 against that stunner uh, with the Clips. They're maintaining the third seed, which I said I think they was going to drop to, like, the four or fifth seed going into the playoffs. Um, I mean, he's leading at four-quarter points and is the favorite for the Jerry West Award this year. I'm like, I mean, look, I know you think I've been really hard on Fox, but he got – I feel like, you know, he got that all-star in his bag now. He just played nope. different, you know. Uh, he's continuously looking like the fastest guy on the court. He looks way more confident. Even in that game against the Clippers, the bonus files out, and I was like, ooh, like, let's see how this plays out. Um, and he played like the best player on the floor, honestly, even better than Kawhi. Um, and they're just continuing to maintain that best offense in the league. So, um, yeah, those are the three teams that I really feel like have been killing it coming out of the break and um, really interested to see how they use this momentum to, to move into the playoffs. Yeah, for me, bro, um, Bucks, Kings, those were my standards as well. I think the thing about Milwaukee that makes them a lot more, I think, better than even when they win a championship is Drew and Brooke are starting to be incorporated a lot more offensively, and they're effective, um, even at their old age. Um, Middleton is still still getting there. I think for Milwaukee, bro, I'm just concerned about Giannis's health because 
injuries have started to add up a little bit this year at a clip I've never seen before with this guy. And if he's not healthy, then everything we're predicating for Bucks just ain't going to happen. But if he's there, if he's whole, I think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I really do. I think they're better than Boston. Sacramento, 3-0 and since after the All-Star break. I think De'Aaron Fox, he's he's a star. He's at the cusp of superstardom. And the way they're playing, how he's manning the controls of a number one offense, they can get to the playoffs and win a series. Then people can start saying, bro might be better than John Morant. He may be. But right now, I need to see it. I'm not mm. willing to go there yet. I'm not willing to go there yet. But it's been a huge part of this is it's too early. I agree. <laughs> but he's better than SGA, and he's a huge part of his success oh. right now in the playoffs. I would say he's better. Uh, yeah, I, I would say he is. I would say. I but, ain't willing to go there just yet. He, I think he's better than – you might be able to say he's better than Trey Young after this year if they get, like, to the second round. Yeah. Because Trey Young did lead his team to the, the conference final. So – he he did. Gotta, he did. Gotta gotta hold that in the back pocket. Right. And third was the Lakers, and then LeBron got hurt. So I'm gonna have to free ball this one. But I would say, you know, I'm gonna give it up to Golden State, bro. A little bit. I'm gonna give them up to Golden State. I know I've been a little hard on them this year. I have, but you know, they're over 500. I think the goal, and this is my goal for them, trying to see. Can they stay afloat to where Curry can come back at a proper time? Because if they're playing it close to the vest or 500, a game above 500, a few games under, then you may have to rush Curry back, and that could be the detriment to their team. But against Minnesota, Clay was the only one that had it going, and he willed them to a dub. And that was huge because Minnesota and them, they're kind of on the same level this year, weirdly enough, in the opposite direction, and they were able to find a way and win. I think that's what they're going to have to do continuously during this home stretch but how they've looked all-star break you know didn't look that impressive against the lakers but they got a couple of dubs under the belt i think i like what they're trying to build and i'm not sold on golden state being this championship contender out west like everybody else is but if they could get in the door they can make some noise and that's the post all-star break standpoint for us right now we're gonna pivot to the Wimby sweepstakes Clem. It's Wimby time. We're getting there in a couple months. The draft lottery will be here. It's safe to say these are the four teams, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, and 14 just slipped my mind. Um, those Detroit. Are three. Detroit, yes. Those are going to be the four teams in pursuit of Victor Wimbayama, the number one pick. And I'm going to just go out here and open the floor, and then you could take control, bro. I think Vic – to Charlotte is it. I I honestly think that might be the best fit for him basketball-wise because they have a coach trying to create an identity. You have an all-star, all-NBA potential point guard, LaMelo Ball. I like what Mark Williams is showing. I love them a lot coming out of college. He's starting to come into his own. And eventually, Miles Bridges will be back. Will he be suspended? Yes. But eventually, he'll be back into the fold. So you have a nice rebuilding nucleus in the East too, bro, in the East, which right now seems like a gauntlet, but a lot of these guys at the top are older. Philly, Milwaukee, they're kind of getting older. So do you feel the same about Vic being in Charlotte as the best move for him on a basketball note? No. Um, it's number three on my list, but okay. not the first. So I'm going to start from the bottom up. Um, before we even get to – to Wimby, 
honorable mention, obviously, is Scoot Henderson. I think he would be great with the Rockets. I think, um, obviously, there is a lot going on, but he's a very strong personality, um, already built like a grown man. I think he'll be ready to play and um, step into, like, a leadership role. And I think he's probably, like, one of the missing pieces because even though they're not in the best like leadership position or they don't have the best discipline they you know we've heard all types of things about the 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 organization and how they do things right now um i think he's a stabilizing piece and they do have talent like with green with um shangun with jabari smith tari eason like i think you can slide him in at that one bring kevin porter off the bench and really see where this thing shakes up but that was honorable mention. Number three on my list, I have uh, Charlotte. I think that Wemby, Melo, Bridges, and Mark Williams, sneaky great defender, like to be. Uh, I think you have Williams and and Wemby as your center and power forward, and then you slide uh, Bridges in there at the three, and you have Melo leading that offense. I I think it would be really well. But for some reason, I just I feel like Wimby and Melo would just not mix. I've listened to a lot of podcasts recently about um, just who he is as a person. Um, uh, Jonathan Giovanni is like a really big draft uh, expert, and he talked a lot about like how him and um, Brian Windhorst went to Paris and just did like a behind the scenes interview, talk about how he's grown up and all of these you know background information. He comes from a very stable like kind of conservative, like, you know, we do what we got to do. Like he, he kind of gives me like a Kareem vibe where he's like very opinionated, more of an aloof person. And Melo is, he's not really, he's like, this kind of sounds bad, but he's like, it's kind of like a ghetto magic. Like, <laughs> like he got like a, <laughs> like an uplifted personality, but it's like, it's more like, all right, bro, you're doing a little too much. Relax. And I could just see Wendy being kind of irritated with him um, from the jump. But I think they would probably be a good mix working together because Melo is a pass first uh, point guard, but he can get his numbers when he wants. Second, man, I think Utah, I would love to see, because I, I was a really big fan of Lori Markman in Cleveland playing the three with um, Mobley and and um, Jared Allen behind him. Now, is he a great perimeter defender? No, he's naturally a four, but he has a lot of guard-like skills. And I would have, I'd really like to see that big front line with those three guys because I think Mobley has potential to develop guard skills as well. And then Laurie being able to stretch the floor, I think it would have been a really great combination with those three. Um, However, he's in Utah now. Um, I would like to see that reinvented in a bit. Like, you know, Wemby at the four, Kessler at the five, and Laurie at the three. I mean, I think they would move on from, from Clarkson. They would probably need a stronger guard. But Oche Abaje is right there. You know, won a championship with Kansas. Um, strong guy. He can shoot the three and play some defense. And then you have a dog like Colin Sexton. I don't think he's a true one. I think he'd be best as a six man. But if they could find a point guard there with that team, I think that would be really good 
shoot them to the top of the list uh, defensively for the next 10 plus years. But number one, I think it's the Spurs. I mean, like <laughs> Greg Popovich, like get him in his flowers. Like he's he's talked about tanking <laughs> and how he would never do it and how he can't fathom despicable and he's looking like a big hypocrite right now but hey man the, the dude's put in his work he's helped lead the Spurs to be the franchise that they are the dynasty that we know them to be along with the great Tim Duncan um and the when they got Tim Duncan it was a year that David Robinson got hurt so they don't have any got anybody who has gotten hurt but I feel like that's the reason why they need Wemby. Like, they're the only team, like, literally, I can scroll through League Pass every night and find a team that I'm excited to watch because they have star potential, right? I tune into Detroit, even though Cade has been out all year. Cade has all-star potential. I think Ivy has all-star potential. Wiseman is a work in progress, but Jalen Derwin, I think, is a sleeper, similar to, like, a Mark Williams, like a guy in a Mark, uh, uh, Kessler Edwards. Uh, Kessler Edwards, um, Kessler on Utah. Like, I think those are guys who they're probably not going to make all star teams, but I think they could be like defensive player of the year candidates, maybe um, the third best player on a championship team. Right. And then you look at Houston. I talked about Singoon, Smith, Green, Houston. Um, and then Orlando, they got Paolo, they got Wagner. And I mean, folks. Like, who saw this coming? I think Fultz is looking like he could be the third best player on the championship team. He's looking like a legit two-way point guard, athletic, makes plays down the stretch. He's confident. Like, I'm loving what I'm seeing in Orlando. Like, so even the bad teams have all-star potential guys. It's just the Spurs don't. Keldon Johnson, I love him. Great player. Plays hard. Plays good defense. Has really stepped up his game this year. Even Devin Vassell, like, I really like his game. Trey Jones has stepped up this year. Uh, Sohan has been playing good. Like, effort guy has shown to stretch his game and, you know, started shooting, changing up his uh, free throw routine. So he's already shown, like, he's willing to change things up to get better. All of those things are great when you're talking about building a championship nucleus, especially with the Greg Popovich. You put Wemby on this team, I think the NBA is really complete as far as having – a star, a marquee potential player every single night. You got somebody who you can watch, who you can say this, you know, my team, I have hope in my team because we have these guys who can help get us there. And, you know, the Spurs have done right by the NBA, I think, uh, for so long. I think it's only right that, you know, they get gifted with a player of this caliber. Yeah, for me, bro, I think it's going to be either Charlotte or San Antonio. Like, I think yeah. those are the two teams. I, and I think the league can't go wrong. You put him in San Antonio, this Tim Duncan 2.0. Like you said, from a marketability standpoint, everybody's got their rising young star. Let's go. But if you send him to Charlotte, MJ finally gets a generational talent, number one overall. You just brought up, he's like Kareem to, 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 to Melo's magic. I mean, bro, imagine the league loves Melo. You give Dick and Melo together, oh, my gosh. Marketing, heaven. Those dudes going to be on TNT half the year. And that's going to be the first time we're going to see Charlotte like that on TNT since forever. So I, I just feel like from a basketball standpoint, him and Charlotte makes them playoff caliber overnight. Him and San Antonio, 
I think makes them relevant again. And I do like what San Antonio is building over there. They have a ton of young pieces that have chances to evolve into something greater. So I think those are the two teams. Don't want them in Houston. Don't want them. Utah's just not realistic anymore. I don't trust anything Houston's building until they get a new coach in some type of direction because there's a lot of talent there. It's just not guided in the right areas. And a lot of it has to do with their tanking for Wimby. But the way NBA does things, I haven't seen anybody get the number one pick twice. So I don't think Orlando's going to do it. Um, Houston's been close. I just, for me, Charlotte's never got the number one pick. Closest they ever came was getting AD. But they got two, so they got Gary Gultris. I think they do, bro. Like, I really think they do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they hook Jordan up with, here you go, bro. Let, let, me, let me remind you the last time they hooked Jordan up and Jordan signed off on the number one pick. Kwame Brown. That that did happen. Kwame That's what Brown. happened. That's what happened. But Vic, Kwame, not even in the same category. That's what but, we said in 2002. That, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, to wrap this segment up, man, we're going to have the all-NBA first-team conversation. Should you be on it if your team has a losing record? I saw a conversation being had on Twitter. Somebody was vouching for Damian Willard to be first-team all-NBA with Luka. And his spinology was, hey, Steph Curry was it in 2020. But then I think about it. I'm like, wait, Steph Curry, 2020 with the Warriors? Yeah, they made the play-in and, and lost. But they were a seventh seed in the West. And had a winning record by about seven or eight games at the 500 mark. Dame Lillard. Any chance, bro? He's first team all NBA because I, I just don't see it currently with how this team is. No, 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 no. Um, I know you don't like when I talk about resumes, but it matters. It matters. Your place in the league and your place in league history, hell, your place in the era dictates a lot what happens in your, like, 30s, right? And Dane is going to go down as one of the most, I think, memorable players from this era, but not one of the best players from this era, all right? And that's the type of clout you need to have to make a first-team All-NBA without ever being in the running to make the playoffs, like pretty much all year. I think in the first two weeks, they got off to like, I think they were like eight and two or something. Since then, I think they were like the second seed, second to third seed. They've been dropping since. And it's not like he's missed a whole lot of time. Like he's missed games here or there, but he's played a majority of their games and they're still barely competing to get into the play. Um, so no, like, I, I was looking. I couldn't find anybody who made a first-team All-NBA team and their team didn't make the playoffs. But I'm sure maybe there is one or two guys out there who did, but I guarantee you if they did, it was probably someone who was, like, one of the best, like, top three, top five guys of their era. Um, so the answer for me is no. And I went ahead, obviously, and listed my first team as of today. And I think for most people it's pretty similar. Jokic, obviously, three-time, he's going to be a three-time MVP, top three team in the uh, league. Giannis, top three team in the league, MVP candidate, one of the league scores. Tatum, top two team in the league, one of the league scores, MVP candidate. Luka is probably going to win the scoring title. 
most games of all of the guards um, right now. And then the last spot was a little hard, but I mean, Ja has to get it just because of the fact that he's played more games than most of the guards as well. Um, and he's been on the top five team pretty much all year. Um, I don't think there's any really other conversations that you can really have to slide in. I have honorable mention Donovan Mitchell, I think could be a guy you could slide in maybe a Jalen Brown, but I don't think he's on that level yet. SGA, I don't think he can make it just because his team's not going to make the playoffs. Drew Holiday may be a guy you could slide in. And you won't even believe it, Cam. I got De'Aaron Fox on the list. I got on the list. If they finish in the top three, and he's, he keeps averaging, he finished the season, let's say he averaged 27 points a game. Over Luca, that's tough. You know, they're no, not no, with Luca. No, 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 no. Oh, he with Luca. Okay, point guard. Okay, got gotcha. you. Shooting guard, personally, but okay. I would. It would be Luca and him. I think the locks are Jokic, Giannis, Tatum, and Luca. Yeah. It's just that fifth guy now. Curry's been hurt all year. Book's been hurt all year. Um, that's why I think Ja's gonna get it. But if it's not Ja, I think Mitchell, SGA, Holiday, or Fox or somebody you can slide into that spot respectfully. I agree, I agree, I agree indeed. I think, I don't want you to quote me on this, maybe Tracy McGrady back in the early 2000s might have got in when his team was horrible, but he was such a phenomenal top five, top ten talent at that time that he got the nod. I think he was first team. But Dame's up a tough battle because he's playing phenomenal. They're just not good enough. And I think his career in a nutshell kind of reminds he's like, our generation's poor man's Carmelo Anthony, where phenomenal score, he can get you to a playoffs in his prime, but then that's about it. He'll give you like a good round, and then he just disappears, you know, and I can't blame all of that on he ran into the Warriors. I mean, he had that year where he got swept by the Pelicans, I mean, with home court. But bringing it back to this year, I think for me it's Ja Luka, Giannis, Jokic, I mean, I think those are the five. I may, may get a little bit, you know, somebody may say, yo, Embiid, but I just, Embiid's unfortunately, he's not going to get it. You're not know, winning enough. Like, that's the thing. They're not winning it's enough. Like, that's that's the key. Jokic has been to the conference finals, like, and has gotten out of the first round or second round. Giannis is a champion and has multiple MVPs. Jokic has multiple MVPs. Like, I can't even make the I can't make the argument for him. It's like you're scoring a lot, yeah, but yeah, I mean, and and a lot of that is because B, he's just he's either not playing well enough or he's hurt. I mean that that's really yeah. been the story of his career. I mean he's a top and five. And we talked talent. about it, yeah, for sure. And we talked about it in the chat today too. It's like he and it, it it's worse that him and Harden because they're like the two guys who do this more than anybody they spend the entire maybe Trey Young's another one but he plays further out and he's more slippery so he can shoot the three and all of that but they rely on fouls night in and night out to impact the game and win games and it's great during the regular season because it works they get to the free throw line they rack up their points they win games that way but the playoff slows down the refs hold their whistle more so if you're relying on getting to the free throw line to win you games and score points, it's not going to work in the postseason. And that's what happens every single time for Harden 
and and um and indeed and i feel like it's going to be the same thing this year that's why foolishly i don't know why i thought they i picked them to win the east at the beginning of the year um i uh, the main reason was because i thought maxi was going to maxi was going to play like how sga is playing i thought that would be him but he got hurt now they're bringing him off the bench i feel like he's playing better but still not the guy who we thought he'd be so and be he's the second team man i think we saw it in the, the, the mid-90s. Shaq. Shaq didn't make a, a first-team All-NBA until 98. You know, he got drafted, what, 92? There was a six-year span where he was behind Hakeem every year or uh, David Robinson, you know? So it is what it is, you know? It is what it is, man. But that's going to conclude this episode. Um, going to have to speed this up a little bit and head out. But before we do, Clem, Name one thing you're excited about this upcoming week in the NBA world, team, game, just name it. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, focus on a specific team, but just the parity in the West. Um, we talked about it a bit earlier, like I said, in the group chat. The Clippers are integrating new pieces. The Mavs are integrating new pieces. Suns are integrating new pieces. Um, who else? The Warriors are trying to work back Stephen Curry once he you know, gets healthy again. Um, Sacramento is trying to hold on to that uh, third seed. What is Utah going to do? Minnesota's working in Cat and Conley and, and Gobert and all of those new pieces. Is Zion going to come back? When he comes back, how is he going to work with VI? Because they haven't really gelled all year, played together all year. So there's, there's so many moving parts in the West. I think the East is pretty much sold we know what's going to happen we know the top three teams we know who's going to be in east conference finals unless a freak injury happens but the west it's a lot of parity and we just don't know how it's going to play out so i'm really looking forward to that same here man west parity the fight for the one seed in the east between milwaukee and boston looks like it's going to come down to the wire i think the seeding overall it kind of manifesting itself into clarity will present to us by the time we're nearing april what these playoff series will look like and I can't wait, bro, for some playoff basketball. This feels like playoff yeah. basketball we watching right now. This is the best but time of the year. The best, best time, time of the year. year, man. Best time of the year. But without further ado, it's your man, Kim Bowie, my main man, Clement Gibson. We'll be back with sure. you guys next week for NBA Intel. But without further ado, enjoy some hoops. Peace. Peace out.